Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Fantastic. Great. Well, uh, it's fantastic to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, although this is a slightly unusual format, I wasn't expecting this. And uh, as Tim said, yeah, I was with you just a few months ago at the School of Theology and I didn't anticipate being back so quickly and definitely not like this, but it's amazing to be with you again. And um, in one sense, that just feels like no time ago that I was with you, end of January. But in another sense, actually, the world just feels so different now to how it did back then. So uh, it's very strange, but I'm, I'm privileged to just get uh, a few minutes to spend with you this evening. Sorry that I don't get to see your faces. Sorry you still have to see my face. Uh, and actually, I'm looking at my own face, which is horrible, but I now know what you're having to endure. So... Um, Sorry about that, but it's great to be here. And um, I just want to say before I really get going that from an outsider's perspective, as someone that knows your church, has been to visit you probably, yeah, uh, maybe 10 times. Um, I just want to say well done to you for the way that you have conducted yourself, uh, particularly in, in, in giving generously during this season, during this pandemic. I have been amazed looking on and seeing how much you guys have given towards the Catalyst COVID-19 crisis fund. I, I, I just genuinely was blown away just seeing the number go up and up and up on social media every every day and of course I knew that you were a generous church I've always known that but I have found myself just challenged and inspired by your example and as I understand it, it was about 52,000 pounds maybe it's even more since I last saw it but um, I just want to say I, I recognize there's a huge sacrifice there and generosity like that doesn't come naturally that's something you've cultivated well over years and it is inspirational and if I were the Apostle Paul I would probably say something like uh, your generous reputation is known via all the churches in Instagram or something like that but I'm not Paul so I'm just going to say well done uh, you inspire me and keep going uh, but it's a real privilege to be with you tonight particularly because today is Pentecost Sunday and uh, where we remember the birth of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and I kind of do want to talk a little bit about that theme tonight but not from the Pentecost story when I was praying for you a particular passage came to mind for me in Genesis 28 uh, annoyingly I didn't have a sermon on that passage so uh, what you're getting tonight are just some sort of prayerful thoughts that I hope will be a blessing to you rather than a polished tried and tested sermon um, but because I am such a good preacher as Tim said I have managed to whittle it down to three points that are alliterative as well so I, I am good to you uh, but I want to look at this story and then I want to pray for you tonight I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen when we do that 
So in Genesis 28, you may have it open in front of you. Essentially, this is the story of Jacob. And Jacob is wandering in a desert at this point. And he, uh, it's, it's got late. And so he decides to go to sleep. And so he lies his head down on a rock for a pillow, which is not a recipe for a great night's sleep. Uh, and he's sleeping and he has this dream. And in the dream, it's like he looks up and he can see heaven has opened. And he sees this ladder going into the sky. And at the top of the ladder, he sees God himself. And God says this. Verse 13, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he he renames the place where he's been sleeping Bethel, which means house of God. And there's loads that I could say about this passage if I had time, but I just want to offer three thoughts that I, I think could actually be our experience today, wherever you happen to be watching this as we encounter God. I, I want to show you how Jacob in this passage remembers the promises, he recognizes the presence, and he renames the place. So let's start with the promises. So Jacob is from this family that have unresolved promises in their heritage. Abraham had been promised that he would be the, the father of this enormous nation, that he, he would have offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I often think when I read that, I live in London where there's so much pollution, like that sounds like a promise to have two kids because there are so few stars that you can see. But for Abraham, this meant that he would have just countless children, as many as the stars in the sky and, and the sand on the ground. And God would take him to a land of promise. And so far, at this point of the story, it looks like there is nothing to show for those promises. Jacob is wandering in, in the desert place and it is hard and it is dry and it looks like the promises of God have been derailed. I wonder if you can relate to anything like that. In a season like we are in right now, it can feel like we are in a, a hard, dry, difficult place where the promises of God seem to be derailed. Perhaps you are battling with disappointment in your own life. It's easy in these kind of moments to ask ourselves the big questions of what is God doing in the world or what is he doing in my life? I thought things were going to pan out differently. And honestly, I can't answer those questions. I don't know what God is doing in the world, and I don't know what he's doing in your life. I often don't even know what he's doing in my life right now. But I do know this. You do not need to know all the answers to the questions to know that you can trust him. God is faithful to his promises. And here he reveals himself to Jacob in a way that reminds him of these promises to Abraham and essentially says they are still on track. I have not forgotten them. No matter what you see around you, how dry and desolate the place looks, I am the God of your forefathers and I am still reaffirming these promises to you. God does not make promises that he is unwilling or unable to keep and he works all things for good. Maybe you're handling disappointment right now from things that you thought God was saying to you, steps of faith you took in trusting him that don't seem to be working out the way you imagined. If you're anything like me, when I uh, feel like I get a nudge from God, I feel like he's made a promise or asked me to do something. Often what I do is I take that promise and I attach a whole load of expectations to it about how I think the promise is going to work out without ever stopping and asking, well, were those expectations actually part of the original promise? 
So I can have all sorts of ideas of, of time scale and what it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like and what steps God must take in order for that promise to work out. And then when I hit a season of disruption, what happens is my expectations often get disrupted. But I look at that and I can end up feeling doubtful and disappointment. And I end up doubting not my expectations, but the very promises themselves. And I would put it to you that in a season like we're in right now, we need to remain humble about our ability to work out how things are going to go. And we need to be steadfast in our trusting that God is in control humble about our understanding of what he's doing but firm in our conviction that he does not make promises he's unable to keep he is faithful and he is working all things for good and any disruption i'm experiencing now is a disruption to my experience my expectations not ultimately to his promises he is still working out his purposes and we can trust him and he comes and he reveals himself to Jacob in this moment so that Jacob remembers the promises in a way that must have just filled him with strength and with courage to keep going. And I want to pray that God may do the same for you tonight. If you feel like you are filled with doubt or disappointment at promises that feel like they've, they've been put on pause. Firstly, I just encourage you to express that to God. He is big enough to handle our disappointment but humbly express it to him and ask him questions like this. Are there particular things you want to teach me in this season? Are there ways that my expectations have got off track? Are there things you want to teach me about how I can listen to you and process your promises better? And are there things that you want me to be doing while I am waiting for you to work these things for good? God reminds Jacob of his promises and he can do the same to us tonight. But actually, he doesn't do it by, by kind of pointing him back to a document and saying, come on, remember, Jacob, I said those things. Check the small print. Actually, the way that he he encourages Jacob is by pointing him not to like written down promises, but to himself. He says, I am the Lord. I am the God of your father, Abraham. He he directs Jacob's attention to himself, to his nature, to his character. And the reason that I am confident about the promises of God is actually because they are the promises of God. He is the promise keeper, the one who cannot lie, who is all powerful, all seeing, who, whose plans are not derailed by pandemics that catch us off guard. He is in control. We can trust him. And tonight, if you feel disappointed, I want to pray at the end of this talk that the Holy Spirit would come and that you would have an encounter with God that changes your perspective and gives you confidence in him. He says this, I am with you and will watch over you. I will not leave you until I have done all that I promised you. And that sounds familiar to me. I don't think that was just a promise to Jacob because it sounds awfully like what Jesus said at the end of Matthew's gospel, just before he ascended into heaven and poured out the spirit, when he said to his disciples, what? All authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. So go and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll stay with you until the very end of the age. We have not yet reached the end of the age. God is still with us. We can remember his promises and we can trust them. But the second thing I want to point out is this, and actually it's linked. Jacob's first encounter is to look at God and to remember the promises. But secondly, he has this experience where he doesn't only think about the promises. He realizes I've actually met God himself. He recognizes his presence. Verse 16, 
It says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. I love that moment where Jacob encounters God and his whole perspective is changed. And notice nothing actually changes in the place at all. None of his circumstances change. And yet one moment it's a desert where he's trying to sleep on a rock. The next moment he's saying, how awesome is this place? The place hasn't changed. His external world is exactly the same, but his internal world is completely different. Why? Because he has recognized the presence of God and that helps him to see everything differently. I can't guarantee that when I pray for you or when you pray for yourself, all your circumstances will work out well in an instant. I can't guarantee that because I don't think scripture guarantees that. But I can guarantee that you can know the presence of God within you in a way that can transform your expectations and the way you view the world so that you can go from seeing things as hard and difficult to saying how awesome is this place. Why? Because this is the house of God and I've met him here. The Holy Spirit is with you right now. That's actually the message of Pentecost Sunday, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all people. And, and I want you to notice that what Jacob actually says here is, is quite incredible. He doesn't say, oh God, I'm so glad you've turned up because a moment ago you weren't here and now you're present here. Actually, he says, when he wakes up, he says, the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know it. The implication being he was already there. I didn't know, but now I do know that he was already here. And I think that's a picture of how we should view this space that we're in and our expectations around meeting God. He is already with us. What we need is not for God to become present in our room, in our house, in the sense that he's currently absent and we need him to be here. Rather, we need the eyes of Jacob to be able to say, oh God, I recognize that you are already here. One of the prayers we often pray, and I'll pray later, it's an appropriate prayer to pray, is come Holy Spirit. But I do sometimes wonder what people think when I pray that, and whether people hear that prayer the same way that I mean it. Because if when I pray, come Holy Spirit, what you hear is the idea that the Holy Spirit isn't here uh, until I pray the prayer, and then he knows it's his cue to arrive, and then he's present rather than absent. That's not what I'm saying at all. Actually, the promise of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out and is never going to leave us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, or at least when I pray it, what I'm meaning is, would I recognize your presence? And would I experience the fruit that comes from your presence more? Would I have that experience of recognizing God is here with me? I just didn't know it, but now I do. Come Holy Spirit. I was praying for a, a lady on Monday and my wife and I were doing a, a prayer session via Zoom and we were praying for this friend of ours and she was quite anxious, quite nervous at the beginning. Uh, and as soon as we prayed, come Holy Spirit, there was just this peace that fell upon her and you could see it on the screen and her eyelids started fluttering and she just looked um, like she was really moved and I couldn't see it at the time because her hands were sort of down here. But at the end, she just said the whole time you were praying, my hands were shaking. And I asked her what was going on and how she was feeling and she said, I haven't experienced the presence of God all this time in lockdown. And I've really missed that, that feeling that I get in church. And I totally didn't think I could have that here until you started praying. And, and I said to her, well, how are you feeling about that now? And she said, well, I feel a bit silly, really. Like, why did I think I couldn't encounter God in this place? The Holy Spirit is already with her. 
Of course she was able to experience him. It's not like the Holy Spirit was waiting outside her flat just for the queue and, and he's like, oh, well, finally as Liam, Liam's prayed, I can get in there. Like he was already there. What he was waiting for was someone just to open up their eyes and to say, I want to recognize your presence. The Holy Spirit is with us right now. The good news of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit has a Zoom Pro account and he knows how to use it. And when I pray, come Holy Spirit, he's already with you. But he can give you that experience of recognizing his presence in a way that transforms your situation. You see, Jacob, none of his circumstances changed. And yet by recognizing the presence of God, he was able to, to, to see his whole circumstances differently, to recognize this is an awesome place. This is actually the house of God. God dwells here. This is the gate of heaven. This is the place where, where I get to connect with God himself. That is astonishing. And I want to say to you that wherever you are, by virtue of you being filled with the Holy Spirit, your place is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that you are actually in a better position than Jacob or Abraham or, or Moses or any of the Old Testament people. They got to walk with God on occasions, experience him on occasions. God himself lives within us by his Holy Spirit. And I should say, maybe you're watching this and, and you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe actually you're here because you're checking out church and you're thinking, I don't know if there is a God. If there is, maybe I'd like to get to know him. And maybe some of what I'm saying tonight just feels a bit strange uh, because maybe the language is strange or it's concepts you're not used to or I'm just preaching very badly or whatever it happens to be. If, if I could just address you for one moment, I want to be really clear about this. God loves you. He loves you. And, and if you are seeking for him, I want you to know that he actually wants to be found and he's not far away. And God, at least the God of the Bible, he he isn't just an abstract idea. He's not just a concept out there that we need to believe certain things about. Rather, he is a person who longs to be known and longs to be in relationship with you. And the God of the Bible revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what God is like, look at him. And we see in his life and his ministry and his character and supremely in that great act of love, his death and then his resurrection, what God is like. He is a God who loves us enough that he immersed himself into the worst that this world has to offer, took it upon himself, went to death in our place and rose again so that all the brokenness of the world, all the wickedness and everything you and I have done to contribute to that can be dealt with and we can have newness of life. And when we trust him, we get the promise of eternal life that doesn't just actually start at the grave. It starts now because God comes and lives within us and we get to experience his very life with us by the Holy Spirit. And if you are listening in today and, and trying to grapple with what you make of God, then, well, in a minute, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray for everyone. And if you feel ready, if you feel courageous enough, why don't you take this as a moment just to say, okay, God, I don't even know if you're there yet. I don't know much about you, but I'm longing for you. If you're true, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? And another thing you may find helpful is just to talk to someone. We'll hear a little bit later about a course called Alpha, which is a brilliant place for you to explore some questions and look at the person of Jesus and consider what you make of him. He longs to be known by you. And my prayer is that tonight, even as we pray, whatever you think about him, however big your questions are, you may be able to recognize 
his presence. So Jacob remembers the promises. Secondly, he recognizes the presence. But thirdly, he does this weird thing. He, he renames the place. It says in verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God, though the city used to be called Luz. Now, why did Jacob do this? I rarely wake up in the morning and the first thing I want to do is just pour olive oil all over my pillow. I say rarely, never. I've never done that. Why does he do that? And why does he suddenly rename the place? Don't you think you'd be a bit annoyed if you lived in Luz and this guy just comes and he goes to sleep on your floor, wakes up the next morning and then just changes the name of your city? It feels a bit odd. But I think the reason is that Jacob recognises this is a holy moment and he wants to mark it so that he can't go back to the way it used to be. He takes the stone and he props it up and he pours oil on it, which in the Old Testament is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He basically makes an altar, a place of worship, and he says, I now consider this to be a holy place, such that I won't see it as I used to, as a, as a desert, as a hard, dry place. I now choose to label this, to rename this place, the house of God, the gate of heaven. I think the expectations we attach to a particular place affect the way we experience it. That was certainly the case with my friend on Monday. Her expectations were that she couldn't meet with God in her house in the same way that she could at church. And so guess what? She didn't meet with God in the same sort of way. I think there are things that you and I can do to rename our space, as it were, to declare over the place in which we are living and, and spending our time and working and feeling locked in and hemmed down. This is none other than the place of God, the house of God, the gate of heaven. Now, I don't want to minimize the pressures you may be facing. And maybe you are living in a place that feels just difficult and painful. And maybe there are challenging relationships that you're, you're hemmed in with. And I don't want to minimize that at all. But I do want to encourage you to set your mindset such that you can almost rename your space and, and believe, expect that you can meet with God. There may be physical things that you can do to almost dedicate your space to him. I don't mean pour oil all over your pillow, although if that's what works for you, <laughs> whatever. But maybe set aside time or a space in your room and just say, first thing in the morning, I'm going to get up. And before I, I entertain thoughts about feeling hemmed in or, or challenged or restricted, I am going to declare in this space, I believe this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven, and I expect to meet him here today. His presence is already here. I just don't know it yet, but I want to know it. A friend of mine uh, does this thing that I, I confess I found a bit weird the first time I started praying with him. He does it most times we pray. He'll often do kind of centering prayers. He'll breathe and he'll pray particular things um, as he is just entering into prayer. And one of the things he does is this with his fingers. He often just touches his fingers and says a simple prayer as he's beginning to pray. And he says something like, my God loves me. My God loves me. My God loves me. And he does it until he believes it. And I found that a bit weird watching the first couple of times and trying it myself, but actually there's something beautiful about that, about saying, I am going to do something physical that, that marks out the fact that this is no ordinary place. It's a holy place. And I can encounter the presence of God right now. I don't know what it is for you. 
maybe it is just dedicating a space or the first 20 minutes of your day or whatever it happens to be. But can I encourage you to, in your mind at least, rename the place where you live? This is not a place of hardship. This is not a place where I'm restricted. I'm not cut off from God or his purposes or his promises. I believe that this right here is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And I think that when we do that, we open ourselves up to the possibility of an encounter with his Holy Spirit, which may not change our circumstances like that, but it can change our inner world such that we can spot God at work and trust in him. So I'd love to pray for us before we worship again. And I don't know uh, where you are right now. I don't know how you're engaging with this, uh, but I would encourage you. You may just want to close your eyes. You may want to hold out your hands while I pray ready to receive from God. You may even want to do that thing that my friend did. My God loves me. Or Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to remind you that you're in the presence of the Trinity. Whatever works for you. And my expectation is that as I pray, some of you will actually feel like you experience God's presence. It may be that you experience something physically and if that's new to you, then talk to someone about it afterwards. Don't worry about it. It's no surprise that when we encounter the greatest power in the world, our bodies might react somehow. But for some of you, it may not be a physical reaction, but an emotional thing. Something shifts. Or maybe you feel like you hear something from God. Maybe you feel nothing at all. Actually, the feelings aren't the most important thing. I want you to know and be in no doubt the Holy Spirit is with you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are filled with his presence. And when I pray right now, I'm not asking him to arrive in your room. I'm asking him to open your eyes so that you spot that he is already there. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. I pray for everyone who is watching this right now. That they would know that you are with them. And that you are for them. And I pray for everyone who is feeling disappointed or disillusioned. I want to pray for hope and courage. Would you remind them right now of your faithfulness and your love for them? I pray for everyone who is feeling lonely right now, that they would know that tangible sense of your presence that fills them with, with love and confidence that they are known, that they are seen, that they are held in your arms. I want to pray for everyone who is exploring faith, wondering if there is a God. Right now, would you reveal yourself to them? I pray for those who are sick or in need of healing right now, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and bring healing to their bodies in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would teach us every day to recognize your presence. Whatever our situation, I pray that we will be able to dedicate our space, our time, our day to you, and that we would know you and we draw strength from you. In Jesus' name. Amen.